you don't take everything at face value. You really sit down and think about it. And mm. if something doesn't make sense, then just let it go, man. Exactly. Like, they don't know what's actually going on behind closed doors. You should pay attention clearly to who's giving you the advice. What's the intent? There's so much money to be made out there, you know? Yes. Like, there's so much out yes. there. And really, it's just a concept at this yeah. stage. There's a lot of dumb people that they made do. a lot of money. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Hobbies are so valuable, man, so valuable. Yeah. Your hobby is usually tied to something deep within you that you enjoy doing, you know? It helps you see, oh, wow, you know, there's a bigger world outside of what I think that there is. Sometimes when you build up to something and, and then when you get to that thing, you're like, wow, I thought that would be more fulfilling than it was. It's not about the destination, it's about the journey. Be you, be yourself. I know that sounds so corny and cliche, but I feel like it's the only way to like actually get fulfillment. Even if it doesn't work out, at least I gave it everything I could. At least I expressed myself to the degree that I could, yeah. you know? You are officially the tallest person to come on the podcast. Yeah, that's true. I haven't thought of that. But I, I'd assume that'd be the case with most podcasts. But <laughs> have you done a podcast before? I have, man. And I, I did it 2018 or 19. It was a men of words. It was like sort of a mental health one. Mm -hmm. And like guys are in sports. So mm -hmm. I've loved... I'm really grateful to be on this podcast because I really like talking. Mm -hmm. And I really think that a lot of professional athletes can say some pretty cool shit in mm -hmm. in podcasting. So I'm really happy to be able to express myself, man. So thanks. Thanks. Dude, I'm yeah. stoked that you're here. Yeah. Honored that you made the time to come in. And if you're new on the Creative Grid podcast, my name is Nelson and I'm your host. Basically, a creative entrepreneur that gave up everything to pursue his passion of making videos and I decided to create this space for other creative entrepreneurs, the young versions of me out there that they just want to learn the tools to get to the next level. And we usually have extraordinary individuals as guests to learn from there, to learn how they have been able to overcome adversity and achieve success in their own lives. We bring people from all different industries and areas of life. Today is not an exception. Today's guest is an elite basketball player. Please welcome the legend, Matthew <laughs> Hodgson. Yeah. <laughs> welcome, brother. Yeah. How are you? Yeah, good, man. Yeah, good. Yeah, awesome, man. For people that haven't heard of you or have no idea who you are, mm. can you give us uh, a brief description? Tell us how have you got to the place you are and, and how long have you been playing basketball? Tell us everything we need to know about you. Okay, man, sure. Like, if we just go through, so I started playing at 14. I was actually playing Aussie rules football before. Never really considered myself an athlete or anything like that, um, but obviously always really tall. And uh, had a family friend who play basketball a little bit and things like that. And he's like, look, man, if you got good at basketball, all I wanted to do at that stage, I was 14, I was playing footy for fun. I was like, all I wanted to do was get a uni, get a degree in biology at that time um, and go and be an academic from there. And he's like, if you get good enough at basketball because you're tall, um, you can go over to US college and get your education paid for and things like that. And I didn't think anything of it because I'm 14 year old, I don't really listen to shit that anyone says. So, but my mum was listening, she used to play basketball a little bit. And uh, sure enough, like two weeks later, she was like, okay, cool. Like, so when are we sign up for basketball? So I pretty much got deboed into playing basketball by my mom. Um, played it, fell in love with it. Uh, and then it sort of trekked pretty well from there. Like I was very, very raw, but obviously tall. I was a decent athlete. Um, you know, made various like state teams and stuff like that pretty quickly. Um, so I played for Queensland, things like that as a junior. Uh, then when I finished high school, I moved out of home, went down to Canberra and it was a scholarship holder at the Australian Institute of Sport. Uh, so I lived in Canberra. I only lived there for nine months. Um, and that time was awesome because I got to 
sort of learn what it was like to be a professional um, with how much you train and things like that. Really enjoyed it. Got a lot better. Uh, and then I played for the junior Australian team. Uh, and then from there, I went off to college. So I fulfilled what I actually wanted to do. I went to Southern Utah University. I was there for two years. Um, didn't really enjoy it too much there. Southern Utah was a big culture shock, obviously. Uh, people who don't know that Utah is a home of, you know, uh, the Mormon faith, I guess, and things like that. So for coming from Australia, where everything's pretty liberal and, and we talk and we swear and drink and all that sort of stuff, to go to, to Utah was, was people were friendly, was cool. I mean, I met my now wife there, it was my girlfriend, so um, that was awesome. But it was just a big culture shock for me, and it was cold. So I spent two years there and then transferred to St. College, uh, St. Mary's College of California, sorry. Uh, so I did, my, did three years there, so I finished collegiate basketball, got a degree in psychology, uh, and then came back to Australia. Uh, sorry, during that time, I played the World University Games as well. So I did some cool shit, went to the NCAA tournament, um, so played in like the March Madness and all that sort of thing, which was really fun. Came back, was a development player for Melbourne United. Was very lucky, we can get into that story a bit later on, but to get to get a professional contract. But then I played professionally uh, for three years in Adelaide, three years in Brisbane, one year in Perth, one year in Taiwan. So I played professionally for a long time. Um, played for Australia for a bunch of years as well, starting in 2017. So played for the Boomers. So ticked a lot of goals. Went to an NBA um, camp with the Dallas Mavericks and things like that. So I've done some cool shit, man. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome, yeah. dude. No, and from obviously you're a master of your craft. You've been doing this for a very long time. How old are you now? I'm 31 now. 31. Yeah. Wow. So you've been doing this for almost 20 years, yeah. is it? Yeah, 17 years I started. I yeah. started 14. So I'm 32 this year, so it'll be 18 years. Yeah. That's wild. So it's safe to say you're you're a master of your craft. What makes the difference between a, a like an elite basketball player that makes it to the levels that you have made it from someone that never it wasn't good enough mm. what is it well i mean like obviously there's like physical ca characteristics right me being seven foot tall I'm a, I'm a good athlete like i can run and jump well and things like that so that's helpful but that's not the defining it has it's like sort of a blend of everything man mm. but if i was to really like nail it down to like one thing it's really going to be like a really rock solid and this is interesting because i haven't had this myself and it's why i feel like i'm not a master of my craft in a lot of ways and, and things like that we'll get into that but a real rock solid belief in themselves so i've seen guys that have tick a lot of boxes they've been you know tall or they've been like sort of a good athlete or or things like that they work hard they've got a good work ethic they study they know the game and things like that but because I don't really believe in themselves, under pressure in games and stuff like that, they never play to their capability. And on the converse, so they don't perform that well. On the converse of that, I've seen guys that have had pretty average physical tools, decent skill level. They usually do like a couple of things well, like good skill level. You know, they're not exactly, they're not smartest. I think intelligence is somewhat overrated in sport mm -hmm. to, a cert, to a certain degree. Mm -hmm. But these guys are like, they have such a confidence in their ability that when it comes to the game, they don't get in their own way. So they just go and play and they end up creating opportunities, they end up doing things and that builds their confidence. So it's like this really cool cycle of success that they get just because they they don't wait to see if shit's going to work out for them. They just think that it's going to. And by doing that, they don't get in the way and they just play, you know? So that's where I've, I really think there's a difference between um, professional athletes are the ones that get there and sort of the others that mm. are sort of don't make the mark, you know? Because there's been guys that like, 
physically shouldn't make the cut. Like I played with, I mean, even guy I played with in Perth was like five foot 11. And granted, he's a very good athlete and things like that, but really good skill level, really good ability to, to focus when it came game time, believe in himself. And he's one of the best players in the NBL. That's Bryce Cotton. He played in the NBA, played over in the EuroLeague and things mm -hmm. like that. So a lot of that can overcome so many physical limitations mm -hmm. that people have, you know, at least in basketball, I can't speak for other, other sports. Yeah, in, in, I'm just curious, like from your experience and everything you're saying, how much would you say the physicality of it impacts or determines if you can make it to the highest level? Would you say it's like physicality is 20% or is that 50%? Because for a sport like basketball, it really feels like if you're not tall enough, yeah. like you have to really go against the grain. Yeah, I think that I think it's not so much physicality in terms of like, if you're tall or short, it's going to make the difference. Mm -hmm. I think that the best players and the guys who sort of make it and things like that are a really good combination of, they're a really good blend of all things. But look, man, I've, like I said, like some of the best players I've played with and against, mm -hmm. and these have been guys that made some serious money in their career. They played, they've had stints in the NBA and things like that. Like they're nothing impressive physically. Like they're, like I said, I mean, to me, like 5'11 is a midget, uh, uh, like, you know, so like that's... <laughs> midget, yeah, thanks, yeah. <laughs> thank you. But, but, they, but, but like at 5'11, they look small on the court or they, you know, or they're mm. really weedy thin or, or things like that. And mm. and they still make amazing careers. When I've seen guys that have had all of the physical attributes that never really like been able to capitalize on that or never get to levels that they potentially could have, you know? So look, man, oh, I'm sorry about that. That shouldn't be on loud. Um, I would say physically, man, uh, let's just put it this way. I would say that your, I hate saying mentality because sort of after sort of reflecting on it and things, I feel like the, the mental aspect, like the mind doesn't really cover everything. Like, so it's, and I hesitate to say spiritual because then it goes into a realm where people don't want to mm -hmm. sort of listen to. But mm -hmm. that sort of, let's just call that essence of individuality where, if you're able to really believe in yourself and stay present in the moment and just, um, I guess, not not get in your own way, mm -hmm. I think that is the main difference between people making or not. So that that's far supersedes the physical capabilities, you know? That brought a, a few questions. Yeah. Give me everything yeah. you're saying. That's gold, yeah. by the way. Um, why do you feel, first of all, going back to what you briefly said, that you're not a master of your craft? Because this is, this goes into what I was just talking about. So that ability to sort of believe in yourself that, uh, and this is why it's circum, it's, it supersedes the mind because the mind is made up of your past experiences, right? Your mind is only your, your individual experiences and the assumptions that your mind makes about them. And a lot of times those assumptions that you make about it is, is like childlike. It's like shit that happened like when you're a kid and you you make these assumptions about the world and how you are and things like that going back to coke and and that is the lens through which you see everything so your mind yes it's a great tool and things like that but it's actually your subconscious mind sort of gets in the way so my subconscious mind gets in the way right i never really feel like i'm enough i never really feel i never allow myself to feel proud of myself so then my initial reaction when you tell me oh you're a master of your craft my initial reaction is like, no, no, I'm not, you know, because that's the lens through which my mind views everything. It's a, I'm not really allowed to be capable. I'm not really allowed to feel like I'm enough, you know. So I have to have obviously work on that and I appreciate that you, you think that and, and things like that. But 
that was the initial knee-jerk reaction as to why I didn't and I couldn't even help myself from saying it, you know, that's how powerful it is. Like it, it's like I knew like I knew that for, as soon as I said it, I was like, well, OK, that's my like that's my subconscious. <laughs> yeah, that's my subconscious talking right now, you know, that's that's very interesting. But you know what? I'm also not surprised that you think that you're not a master at your craft because one of the biggest um common traits of high achievers is that they always think they're not good enough. Yeah. They always think yeah. that, you know, no, I'm not, I'm not there yet. Yeah. And I will actually be surprised if you will tell me, yeah, of course, I'm a, I'm a master yeah, at yeah. what I do. I yeah. already achieved everything that there was to achieve. Yeah. Cause then it would seem like there's, you will think that there is no more room for growth. For sure. I still, you know, I've been doing what I've been doing for yeah. many years yeah, now. Yeah. So, and I'm really good at it. That's all I do. Yes. You know, that I do this every single day. That's yeah. why I tell people as well. It's like, it's very difficult to beat someone that only does the thing that you want yes. to do. Yeah. You know, this is all I do, breathe and live for, you know, mm. making videos, making content, having conversations and all of that. So, of course, I'm going to be good at it. Yeah. But in my head, I'm just like, there's so much room for yeah, improvement. Yeah, you know, like yeah. I'm so far from what I'm trying to get. Mm. So how does someone get out of their own way though? How, how can you like really make your subconscious mind work with you mm. to help you achieve the things that you want? Yeah, man. I, I guess I'm in that midst of that process myself. So I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm a guru that has all the answers to things. Um, what I've, I guess, found is that it has to start with self-acceptance, right? Like you have to like really like get to a stage where you just shut the fuck up and you like listen to yourself and you, and you hear and you feel what actually comes up and you, you start to like, it starts to piece together, but you have to sort of like accept it. And why that's hard is that because it's a lot of emotional pain that comes up. And it doesn't necessarily mean it has to be related to like some serious traumas or, or things like that because some people go through some really horrific stuff, you know? So it's not even about that, man. It's just like you have to like sit there and like accept that there is this part of you that's always going to feel this way. And there's not nothing you can do about it, but you're never going to like fully get rid of it. And that's fine. Like, but that little part of you you, you get to a stage where you, when you accept that part of yourself, that's the, you know, that tells you you're not shit, you're not good enough, you don't deserve this. All of the things that you, we actively try and run away from and we're trying to accumulate so many achievements, achievements, achievements and do this and this and this and we busy up our lives trying to like accumulate all of this, uh, these, yeah, I guess we'll just go with achievements obviously to sort of, we try and accumulate that so we can, use that as evidence to be like, oh, okay, I'm obviously, obviously am enough because I've done this, this and this. But it's like a such a vicious cycle because when you get that thing that you want, that part of yourself comes up again and, and convinces you that that's not good enough. So then you've got to set the next goal and then the next goal and the next goal. So you can just, like the hard part is you just got to accept that that's part of you, but that's not all of you. And then when you realize that's not all of you, it sort of frees you up a little bit because then you start to explore other sides of yourself and then you start to explore the other sides of yourself that are actually like really helpful for the avenue that you want to get into. So for sports, for example, you explore a side of you, once you realize that that little boy that's scared of everything isn't just me, it's a part of me, yes, I definitely have that in me and if left unchecked, 
that little boy will run the show. Mm. But when you, okay, that's cool. That's a part of me. I accept him for who he is. Sort of showed a bit of love. Doesn't mean, you know what I mean? But like, I sometimes like picture myself when that voice comes up. I like literally picture like in here, like my nine-year-old self because he probably would only be this tall or whatever, you know? So, <laughs> yeah. and he just, I just imagine like myself giving him a hug sometimes. And it's like, and then that makes things like a bit better. It's like, it just, when you sit and accept that those thoughts and those feelings are there, it sort of takes the power away from because you're not spending so much energy trying to go back and forth, back and forth with it. Because then that has like a physically taxing, it, uh, like that's why people like get to games and they've rested, they've they've prepared and stuff. But when they start playing, they're exhausted because they spend so much time in their own heads trying to combat that little voice. And anytime you yell at it, it yells louder than you've got to yell louder. And it's just a cascading like argument that gets no resolution and you try to ignore it. Mm-hmm. So anyway, you accept that side of yourself. You realize, okay, that's a part of me. But then you see other parts of yourself. So then like eventually the round tab where you'll see that I fucking talk a lot. Um, that you like there's also like say a warrior side to yourself, right? There's also a side of yourself that's super confident, that's super confrontational, that's super combative. That's, but that's perfect for sports. But So you can explore that side of yourself as well and then you sort of let that out like while you're playing at the appropriate times. You start to see these different sides of yourself and you have to accept that that's who you are. You're, you're all of these things and more. And But then that becomes liberating to the fact that it's like, well, okay, like I can use all these different parts of myself in the different in the different avenues where they're useful. And then that's self-expression. And then when things, when you have things that, inside that aren't repressed anymore they feel like they're able to be at least accepted and sometimes expressed obviously when it's necessary well then like that's where like the peace and fulfillment comes from because you're all of these characters inside yourself feel like they're getting love and attention they feel like they get the chance to express themselves that's beautiful dude. <laughs> <laughs> wow there's a lot of deep information there um i'm curious like because obviously you've been working with a friend, mm-hmm. a common friend, mm-hmm. Kirk Westwood, mm-hmm. a legend that mm-hmm. I, I actually want to have in the podcast so badly. Yeah, yeah. he'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Um, so yeah, stay tuned for that one because yeah. that, that, you'll be in for <laughs> a trip with that point, one. Yeah. yeah. So since you started working with him, what, what changed? Why did he help you figure out? Because obviously I think some of the stuff that you're talking about Oh, might, com- might come from yeah. from learning with yes. Kirk. So, what what were like the biggest discoveries you had by working with him? And by the way, he's an, an intuition yes. coach. Yeah, you master say? of a intuition. Master, master That's of what intuition. I reckon is what he yeah. says. But man, like, if you look at it, my ever since we started working together, if you look at, and the wheels were in motion beforehand. But if you look at my career, it actually has gotten like highly derailed since i started working with kirk so i came i was it started just before meeting him and i think all of that was for a reason and i was with the perth wildcats and very successful club right so i'd finished up with the brisbane bullets for my last year in the contract had a very good year played well still the same things i feel after each year fuck i didn't really i didn't really achieve what i wanted to and i had a career best year like i played really well you know, I didn't make this or I was one of the last guys. I didn't make the Olympic selection camp. I was close for it, but I didn't make it. Like, So, again, you have these standards that you're always trying to get to and things like that. And uh, so the Perth Wildcats have been a really good organization in the last few years. They've uh, last like 10 years. They've won like four championships. They were on a streak of 35 years in a row. They hadn't missed the playoffs and things like that. So I wanted to go to Europe and play over there. So I was holding out. I was saying no to NBL teams. 
and my wife is pregnant and for that first child and got a little girl um it's awesome best yeah. shit ever and um we got to a stage where she wasn't she couldn't she was too pregnant to travel overseas mm. so i had an offer from the wildcats and i was so excited to take it and sure enough took it because a really good organization i was like yeah i'm gonna get a chance to finally express myself and then i like, had so many injuries that year and even though we like we finished with 16 so play 28 games we had finished with 16 wins so like that's good that's usually gets you like the top two or three so mm. we're the first team in nbl history to win 16 games or that many games and miss the playoffs and the first wildcat team in 35 years to miss the playoffs and i was that was the team that i was on right so like had injury injury i planned like shit because i'm coming back from injury i got suspended because i had an on-court incident which is highly uncharacteristic i've never had any issues like that so all these things going on and uh, I started playing well towards the back end of the season. I was like, oh, if we make playoffs, I'm about to blow the roof off this thing because I'm finally playing like myself again. Didn't make it. went down to the last game against a team we should have beat. We lost in overtime. It was crazy, like just a crazy turn of events. So it was like, wow, man, like sitting back, I was like, wow, I can't believe how badly this has gone to shit. Like this is, this is wild. <laughs> yeah. So I was working with a uh, middle schools coach at the time, at least I was in li liaison with it. And he was the one who introduced me to Kirk. He's like, look, man, like, I feel like I've done all I can for you. He's like, you need to talk, he, you need to, talk to this guy. So I started talking to Kirk and we started working together. And like I said, everything sort of got derailed. It was like, I was getting injured all the time. Uh, I went to Taiwan and I was, I was like, oh, it was a cool opportunity because it was good money. It was what I wanted to do, play overseas and things like that. I got there, hated it. And then this just massive stage of disillusionment fell over me. And... So then left after I got cut, thankfully. I got hurt again, but got cut from that, thankfully. And come back and then been wanting to play here in Australia to finish off my career. No one really wants to sort of work with me at the moment because they're worried about my injuries and things like that. So like from a career point of view, it's like all gone to shit. But the thing that has helped me working with Kirk is that I'm actually in like the best place emotionally, spiritually than I've ever been because he's been able to help me I guess, come to terms with myself. I had so much time to come to terms with myself and he's just really shown me how I get in my own way. He was the one that was like, he's amazing in the fact, now I'm not like um, trying to act like he's a guru or he's fucking Jesus or something like that, but it's like he's been amazing and been able to tell me things about myself that I've been struggling to articulate for years. I have felt and I've felt and I'm like trying to, like, oh man, I've noticed that about myself, but I can't really put my finger on it. And he's able to just like distinctly just be like, yo, this is this is it. This is what you do. And then when he tells you that and you sit and you be with it and you think about it, you're like, yeah, shit. Like, yeah, it has. So it's been a really painful emotionally time. But in saying that, it's also, he's like shifted a paradigm in me that I like look at life in a completely different way. And I'm like so thankful for that. Because if I kept going down that path, that I was doing and just keep doing the same thing, same thing, just trying to like get this result so I'd validate myself. I was in for, I was already going through the disillusionment as it was, but I was in for such like a hard fall that could have affected a lot of things, could have affected my family, could have affected myself, it could have affected a lot. So yeah, man, like it's funny, like having, like even though things look bad, like having, had income so we've been living off my savings for like two, a year and a bit now basically and and so you see money dwindling and we you know I've, I've been lucky to obviously save well and all that sort of stuff but like so you have that so you have that pressure you have the pressure of 
shit, man, am I still supposed to be keep playing? So I have to keep in shape. It's like I have to still manage my body at the same time. So my chain, the training changes. Now I've got a daughter, I've got a wife. She's about to be done with. Uh, she's just got done with her nursing degree. Um, so now factor in that she'll be entering the workforce at some stage. And then it's like now I'm exploring opportunities outside of basketball as well. So there's like so many different things going on. But Kirk's been really helpful and been able to show me whenever – I get in my own head and get worried about it and feel this pressure. He gets you sort of to like be able to ease that and then just return to now and then just act in the way that you want to act, you know, instead of acting in the way that your like little scared child wants you to act, if that makes sense. So I know that was like a very long explanation, but I hope that answered yeah, sort of it, what, it what you asked. No, man, I love it because yeah. you provide so much gold between your answers. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I want to go back to something that you mentioned off camera before we got started yeah. which was you reaching almost like the pinnacle of your career mm -hmm. being overseas and accomplishing everything you ever wanted mm. and then you're like you know this is this is trash yeah. so oh. can you speak about that like give context of what was that moment of your career and then what what happened what ended up happening with it yeah so i i'd always when i once i started playing australia and once i became a professional i'd always wanted to play overseas right and so i obviously wanted to play in the nba and had a chance uh, with the at a mini camp with the dallas mavericks and again got my own way underperformed there and but it was a good experience i felt like if i had another chance at it i'd do things differently everyone would say that right but i was like okay cool if i i've done the nbl for a while i always felt like not that i was capable of more but i was like i know that there's more money to be made overseas and i know that's a different experience and I felt like the NBL was cool because like a nice, comfortable league. It's fun. It's good league. Like we got a ton of really good players and things. And guys that have been in the NBA, guys that play in it, go straight to the NBA. So it's it's cool. I've really enjoyed it. But I was like, oh, that pride part of yourself, right? It's like, oh, I'm capable of more. I can go overseas. I can get to this amount. And anyway, so I was always pushing for that. So I was saying, no, 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 I don't want to do this. No, this is shit. I don't want to be here anymore. I want to go somewhere else. So I finally got the opportunity to do that. And... I was like, this is going to be awesome. Like getting paid well, living in a different country, you know, having a different experience, playing against other like NBA players and things like that. I was like, this is going to be really good. I'm finally going to be like, I'm finally going to be able to fully express myself. And I get there, and after a week, I was like, wow, man, like this sucks. Like I can't, like this is horrible. Like the worst like basketball experience I've ever had. Like it sucks. And like I was explained before, like the training and playing like you're training and playing so much for whatever reason man it's so like they're so in europe and asia especially asia but europe as well they're so dogmatic in the and just in the basketball mm -hmm. realm they're so dogmatic in their approach to training which is just you train you just do two a days every day and you play and then you straight back to doing two a days and things like that so two a days means two sessions per day so you'll do two two hour sessions per day and so like even though the first session is like just shooting and things like that and you do shooting and weights and you come and do team practice it's like the mental band it's like physically like you have to and we're all big like big tall mm. heavy so like you're on your feet you're on your joints and stuff all the time so your body's just just accumulating so much fatigue and and stress in your cns and everything like that And then you have to somewhat stay engaged mentally because you're obviously practicing your skills and things like that. And you have to still impress the coaches to the point where they'll play you and things like that. Mm -hmm. So 
it, it got to the point where the spirit in which the game was, a, a, like how people approached the game was so different than what I was used to. It became about energy conservation instead of like just about preparing and then just letting it all loose on game day, you know? So it was like, you just had to, basically, we had to take the piss like during trainings. Like I would like be jogging up and down the court, like anytime I get the ball, most of the time I just pass it. So I didn't have to like spend energy, like actually. So it, I was horrible, like I hated it. And then we get to the games and you're still so fatigued and you're just trying to find ways to get yourself going and things like that. Wow. So like I said here before off camera, it's like the first time in a long time, um, probably since college, where I was like, while I was playing and the ball was in play and things like that, it was fine, it's basketball, I was instinctive, just playing, playing well. But as soon as like there was a stoppage or I went to the bench or something like that, all I could think about, I just couldn't get out of my head. It's like, I gotta get, get the fuck out of here, man. Like, they just gotta leave. Like, really? I hate this, like, hate it. So I was so disillusioned and it, it worked out so well, man. Cause I, I like, I had the calf, I had a calf injury and, um, because I was going to go to them and just like, look, fellow guys, I'm out. Like, and as a first time, like, I hated doing that. I don't like quitting on things. I don't, don't say I've ever done that. Mm -hmm. But I was just so, I was just wasn't myself, man, at all. And it was affecting my, like, me in my regular life. Like, and I, I felt bad. I just dragged my wife and young daughter over. Um, and now I'm hating life. I'm like, basically, whenever I'm home, I was like just watching TV. I was doing everything I could to distract myself from myself, you know? So everything that I'd sort of learned with Kirk up until that point, I just wasn't doing it. And I was just trying to run from the pain of being like, this is no, this is not what we thought it was. And I was saying to Cash, my wife was like, I was like, I don't know how we're going to last. It was like a seven month contract. It's like, I don't know how we're going to last this time. Like, like I'm like, I'm going to jump off the fucking roof here soon enough. Like wow. this sucks. Like, how far were you in when that happened? Four weeks. No Four way. weeks. Wow. So yeah. I only lasted seven weeks. So that's how bad it was, man. And, and and part of me thinks that like I had to go through I had to go through experience and, and see that for myself and things like that. But it was just a feeling I couldn't shake. And and sometimes I'd try and sit with the pain and be with it and that and then but I just couldn't I just couldn't get through it, man. And uh, I couldn't get through that just that feeling that like I'm not I'm not supposed to be here. So thankfully they put brought me in the office said look you're hurt like we're gonna have to let you go and i was like just thankful you know like mm -hmm. i was so happy so we went home and i've sort of been been back home ever since but that was disillusioning man and it took me even from when i got home it took me like six seven weeks till i picked up a basketball again maybe like and even like started doing any sort of i was doing exercise because i like looking after my body i enjoy mm -hmm. that and i had to because my body was so fatigued from uh, from just that time mm -hmm. and then the, the training that I was doing beforehand, like I had to start so slow. I basically had to start like just doing body weight stuff and like such small amounts and incrementally build my way up just because like my body and like my my mind was like so, it was, everything was so heavy, you know, and I had to like shake all that mm -hmm. away before I could sort of get back to even thinking about basketball again, you know, so... Yeah, really interesting time. <laughs> what What's the worst injury you have had? Uh, I had a uh, the worst one I've had, and it's actually still ongoing. But it's been just knee issues, man. So I've been really lucky. Like I haven't had like an ACL tear or ton, mm. done Achilles or or things like that. But um, I had a basically just spent years at college, like with how much you train and things like that. And 
I spent years grinding out the cartilage in my right knee. I had to have surgery when I first got back um, from Melbourne, uh, to Melbourne, sorry, when I was, so I was a development player at Melbourne United, my, and that was my first professional contract. So I missed that whole year with that injury because I had to sew the meniscus back together. Thankfully that took, tore, took away a lot of it. But the issue is there's so much joint degeneration there that you have to, like it was just chronically swollen all the time and mm -hmm. I lost my range of motion and pain and things like that. And, I, and I'm a guy that's, I would say my game is like based on my length, like height length and athleticism. So mm -hmm. I run it, I'll dunk everything and things like that. So that affected that. So I had to sort of, I wasn't able to play like myself, you know, for, for a bit there. So I had to take the time to heal and then sort of build my strength and things back up to the point where I could get back to playing like I could play. So, but that's still ongoing, man. Like I still haven't, gotten my range of motion back on my knee like you know you do like a child's pose and things like that. like i can't fully sit like do a full astagrass squat and things like that so and that's what i'm in the process now doing it's like man like i spent so much time trying to train for performance because in professional sport you have to everything becomes dictated around your performance so how you train how you eat what you do outside of basketball like everything's just like you know i can't expend that much energy because i have to be fresh for this so so now my training's my physical training is much more it's like for the first time in years where you're actually like looking after your health, you know? Um, it's like, okay, I've got to get, like, I'm only 31. If I can't bend my knee all the way, if I can't, like, what's going to happen when I'm like 70? Like, I've got to get on top of this, you know what yeah. I mean? I've got to like, there's all these little things that pop up. So, like, okay, man, I've got to like actually look after my body in the way that like it needs to, not just, all right, I've got to park that for right now because I have to do this, this and this to get ready for the game, you know? How much do you think that that last injury you had in Taiwan mm. had to do with your mind being like, no, I don't want to do this? Yeah, massively, massively. I mean, it's, it's uh, I think a lot of my injuries that I had, I had repeated out of nowhere, man. I had like repeated calf strains starting from like 2021 till basically that was at the end of 2022. So like, oh, actually, yeah, 2021 to like 2022. I just had, I've crossed three seasons of professional contracts. I had just repeated calf strains. And I think that was, I don't think that was coincidental. I think that was like, I'd actually gotten to a stage where uh, my body and my skills were like at a really good level. Like I was like, wow, I've like taken a noticeable increase in my development. Mm -hmm. But again, that self-limiting factor that you have, it's like where I don't feel like I'm allowed to be enough my mind my body was looking for any way it could to sabotage because if i had played and i did like when i was healthy i played at a very high level where i was like holy shit man like i'm playing at a level i've never played at before but it's like my body couldn't accept that oh hang on it's like hang on but you're not allowed to be enough you're not allowed to be good enough mm -hmm. so it's like looking for ways to sabotage stuff because there was no explanation as to why my calves like i was they were strong I was doing all the flexibility. I was doing. I was doing everything possible, yeah. and uh, seeing different people, all that sort of stuff. And that further ingrains the thing that's that it's an issue that needs to be fixed and things like that. But it's not addressing the root cause, which is that, yeah, like I never felt like I was enough. So because of that, when I started doing stuff, that would have initially been like, okay, I maybe I am starting to actually do something pretty cool now. My body sabotaged myself. So I think that's and then coming to the Taiwan one, I think that was a different in that I was just so stressed all the time that my body was just like in such a shit place where 
something had to go. And I'm lucky there was just a small car strength because it could have been like could have been Achilles yeah. popped or it could have been a lot of bad things, you know. So lucky that it was something so minor, but it was enough where the team was like, look, we got to get you out of here because we you're gonna miss a couple of weeks, so we need to you know need to get someone else in. So yeah, yeah. And now obviously coming from that to being back home and now in this weird place i guess yeah. trying to figure out okay what's next do i continue to play yeah. do do i pursue a different uh, career like how does that feel right now where where are you at and what are you trying to solve yeah right so there? it's it's again it's like indicative of like um I always felt like I need to be in control and know the answers, right? And like, mm. no, so like, and I always was like, yo, I'm always going to know what I'm going to do after basketball. And I, and I did that. I was like, I wanted to be a psychologist, an organizational psychologist, which is someone, a psychologist that's in the workplace. It's organizational psychology is the study of humans at work. So that's what it is. And there's a bunch of different roles that you can do within that. So I knew that, and I did that too. Like I was doing my postgraduate while I was still playing and things like that. I was like, no, I'm definitely going down that path. I had networks in that, in that field and things like that. It's like, I always wanted it to be as soon as I was done with basketball, I just seamlessly transition into the next thing. Mm. And so that would entail me to do another two years of, of study. So, it was like, uh, I have to know, I have to know, I have to know. But I always had like a little feeling underneath. I was like, and I even was like, man, I might, I'd do it for a few years and then deregister myself as a psychologist and sort of move on to something else. Because what I found, at least with psychology in my study, and again, I'm not a psychologist myself. So, but in studying to be one and you pick up sort of like the, the culture within psychology as a practice through the education, and psychology is in such like a, they're so desperate to prove themselves to be like a real science that they go so overboard with the scientific, um, the scientific, I guess, side of psychology. And therefore you're sort of, you're really bound by only like a few scientific methods that you can sort of use. And that's covered by the APS Code of Ethics, so Australian Psychological Society got a code of ethics and the code of ethics not just you know confidentiality don't have sex with your patients you know don't talk about things like that it's also governs what you can and can't use like what sort of um, methods you can use how you market yourself what like how you can conduct your own business so i'm like well if there's guidelines and like where you can't go past around how you market yourself what you can do what you can say what you can't say what's your point of differentiation then you know and, and you're bounded by something so at some stage you're going to hit the upper limit of what you can do and then what like so then you just keep doing that shit for another 20 30 years and then you know like why would i sign myself up to not be free like yeah because in professional sports as much as people might think like you you have a certain amount of freedom but you're not fully free because you're just the talent like so mm -hmm. you have to say and do things in a certain way and act in a certain way that's governed by the people above you that mm -hmm. you know what i mean so mm -hmm. and you have to be here when this person says you have to be right here and you have mm -hmm. to you know mm -hmm. like you're an adult getting treated like a child for for a lot of the part you know so it's like like don't get me wrong, i'm willing to put up with that to to be a psychologist, uh, sorry, to play basketball because it's a sport I loved and it's something I'm good at. And I didn't really think about it like that beforehand. So, but if I was going to go into the next thing, 
why would I sign myself up to to do the same thing? You know, yeah. so so again, it's like having the courage, and I guess that's what's sort of been like the um, the catalyst of this, or like the lesson that's come out of this work with Kirk in this last like 12, 18 months mm-hmm. has been. All right, you think you know yourself, and you think you know, but I didn't actually. I, ha- I still have to like get to know myself, and I have to like let go and have faith in a bunch of things. So this part, this portion, is so different for me because it's much more faith-driven than it is my own. No, this is the path that I'm going, and I, I must stick rigidly to this. It's much more flexibility based on that. So don't get me wrong; I'm not like necessarily ruling out being a psychologist, but it's like I'm exploring other options. And so one is interestingly, just when I started working with Kirk. I met a guy on a plane who was a partner at KPMG, a business consulting firm. Mm. And then just from talking to him and having just a regular conversation on a plane, I've gone into the KPMG offices like three or four times, met different people. Mm. So there's opportunities there potentially. The person that got me into basketball that we talked about before, he's a successful commercial finance broker. And he wants to teach me how to become a finance broker myself and just to have my own business doing that and do mm. this and this and this. So these are opportunities that I had and talking to you and things like that like I love talking I love like so I'd like to do speaking things like that just for fun like I yeah. wouldn't even charge I just yeah. think it's awesome I, I, I think you know being so lucky to have a, such a unique experience and everyone has unique experiences yeah. but my I hope some things from my experience can be able to help others in some way and I think speaking is the best way to do it because the most direct way yeah. of doing it um, so being much more open-minded about okay look I'm going to think not allow things to come to me because I think if you just sit and do nothing, like mm-hmm. nothing happens. Mm-hmm. But if you act in a certain way and it's not so much doing things, it's more just like the way you are, which is what Kirk mm-hmm. talks about. Mm-hmm. So that being on board, it's like I'm really much more focused on who I'm being in my day and doing things that I enjoy doing, doing things that are born from that. And then things sort of start to happen from there and then the past sort of reveals mm-hmm. itself. So that's where we're at where at the moment where it's like, okay, I thought I knew what I wanted to do. Now I'm not so sure. And now it's like, okay, if I if I am this certain way and this certain way is being Matt Hodson in its entirety and expressing that, and just even when I'm at home with my wife and, and my daughter, then opportunities sort of present themselves. And because I don't get in my own way, I'm able to follow them and see what they lead to. And it might not lead to anything, it might lead to something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and as long as you're trying right like that's that's one of the biggest things like doing things differently and trying to really understand yourself understand thyself probably kirk would say yeah know thyself yeah um but yeah just understanding what exactly makes life exciting for you what do you want what do you want out of life like i'm consistently questioning myself mm-hmm. and the things that i do and who i am and where I'm trying to go and why do I'm trying to do the things that I do because otherwise you also will not be able to withstand, you know, the storm yeah. when it comes and yeah. it will, yeah. you know, for everyone. Of we course. all have a a very difficult, painful day coming ahead of yes. us, right? Yeah. So it's like if you're pursuing this journey, whatever you're in, you know, whether it's a, being a professional athlete or having your own business or or a creative business you need to be sure that there's a high level of passion which is what you mentioned was missing as well from your team in in taiwan the passion uh, level to it so it's it's just gonna make a massive difference because guess what every day i have very difficult days i do what i love 
every day. Yeah. This is exactly what I want to be doing. There's yeah. nothing else. I will not trade my yeah. life with anyone. Yeah. That's all how happy I am. I was telling someone even like, I'm just so stoked that I wasn't born into money, into yeah. anything that I had to. I became a dentist. So I'm a dentist. No way. Yeah. That's and I, cool. I quit all of that, yeah, you know, yeah, to pursue yeah. this thing of video. So awesome. There's been a long journey to yeah. get to where I am right now. And I'm still so far from what I'm trying to get. Yes. But it's been just so much, like, there's so much glory to it for all the things I've been able to accomplish. And because I have this passion and this drive and yeah. this hunger and th this sense of that, this is way bigger than me. Yeah. You know, the reason I'm even sitting here with you is because I'm hoping that this will help one person yeah. that's my goal every time I, i'm doing a podcast or a video or anything i'm doing is like if i can help someone one person to provide them with just a different perspective or a guess you know came up with something that they they didn't think of before of life or a new tool that they can implement to make their life better mm. you know that makes me the happiest and the the reason i have a video production business is to help people through my skill but yeah. also to be able you know to fund all the other stuff in which i can provide yeah. value yeah. to people yeah. you know through through my skills i'm curious about because you mentioned that obviously it's been a scary time for you and your family in sense of that you haven't been making money, mm. that it, everything has been used in savings and stuff. Yeah. What kind of financial education did you have, like going into becoming a professional athlete? Did you have someone that was telling you like, hey, you know, now that you're getting paid this money, you should do this, you should do that with the money. What, what kind of financial education were you getting? Or was it just like, Oh, awesome. I just had my, my contract. This is Life is great. Yeah. You know, and you were in kind of uh, not paying much attention on your finances. Like what has been that journey for you? Yeah, man. It's uh, like, it was fuck all to answer your question. Like, and that's through no fault of anyone but my own because there's so many resources out there and there's so many people that are willing to help. And there's so much stuff, information just on the social media side, like mm -hmm. on YouTube or a book or anything. So I didn't pay attention to it because I was always like, I'm going to make a lot of money, man. Like I always had this feeling that like I'm going to be fine like financially, you know, but and that's not to say that that's changed. Like I still feel like whatever I do next, like I'm going to be fine. And part of that's just like um I I've blown a lot of money. Like mm -hmm. but but early before I was a professional. And that was the part like I got I didn't have a lot of money or things like that, but I had fuck all. In fact, I'd never worked or anything like that. I just always focused on basketball and my parents you know, had two regular jobs and they, they just did a lot. They sacrificed a lot for us as, as most parents do, you know, and, and majority of people don't come from money and things like that. So, but um, they set up like this, they had this like a separate account for us kids and, you know, they, they were always putting money into it. And um, from the time I was born to when I was 21. And so that, and that would be 15,000. And so in my mind, I'd never earned anything over like a couple hundred bucks playing because at that time I was in college, right? Mm. Still in college. So you're not allowed to work or things like that. And I didn't work when I came home during the off seasons because I would just train all the time. Mm. And so 15,000 to me was like, I just picked up a million dollars, you know, like I was like, holy <laughs> shit, <Yeah>. like, <laughs> like this is amazing. Yeah. And I was like, in my mind, I was like, well, I'm going to sign in like either the NBA or Europe after I'm done with college anyway. So this 15,000 is not going to mean shit. So I just blew it. Mm. Sure enough, because I got hurt, didn't perform well, because the combination, I, I don't like it when athletes just blame injuries. It was injuries, 
and myself getting in the way and being scared out in the court, didn't perform to the level that I was capable of and was a development player for uh, Melbourne United. Now, development players is like you're not like on the team. So like I only signed for like $20,000 for like a year, right? So I was like, holy fuck. And living in Melbourne is expensive. Wow, that's all? That was it. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, a development player. So the yeah. NBL is so different because you can get guys who get paid. Like, okay, so like you get guys that can get paid like two three hundred plus like mm. well plus like guys in like you know six seven a million dollars for like the guys that come back from the nba and then they could be on the same team as someone who's getting like 30 35 000, 40 crazy, crazy right <laughs> but it's such a big yeah, discrepancy like the massive it's different in the yeah. nba like where it's like the lowest paid guys like on about eight hundred thousand, and mm. so but your highest paid guy could be on like 25 million that yeah. year like for one season yeah so like so i was on twenty thousand, and then i remember like checking my account i was like okay we'll see how much money i have left over from america i'll just transfer across sure enough i think i had 200 dollars left right and my mum, i remember telling my mum that and she was just like because it was just before i was about to move down to melbourne she was just like she just couldn't believe it you know because she's really conservative and stuff like that worries a lot and things like that and my dad was like all right well i guess you're just gonna have to figure it out you know what i mean like yeah. you're just gonna have yeah. to live within your means i was like okay cool wow okay so I was there, I managed, the same thing, I lived within my means and stuff like that, went to Adelaide and I was one of like the low paid guys there, I was on like 37,000, for my first two years of my contract, 37,000 and 40,000. So fuck all still. Dude, that that's crazy. Because yeah. in my head, I'm like, of course, like a basketball player, elite basketball player is yeah. at least making, you know, 200 Yeah, 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 yeah. Like no, in the low end. Yeah, like, yeah, that was it, man. So that was it. That it was, is crazy. So it was like... Uh, so I did that, but that second year I had like a breakout year. I was playing for Adelaide and played really well. And then so then I signed for like in the good six figures after that, right? And then I was like, I'm I'm rich, like I'm doing I'm doing it. <laughs> I'm rich. Yeah, yeah. So like so then I was just I, so I get the money per month, and then by the end of it, I'd like gone through, and then it was like month after month, I was like, yo, know, like. I should have money left over by the end of this month, man. Like, why is that the case? So then I actually, like, actually just, I was like, I'm going to look into this. So, like, I just went, I just printed out my, I got my, because my cash, my wife worked at, um, where'd she work? Fowler Simmons, it was radiology. So I didn't have a printer, but I was like, look, cash, can you just print out these bank statements for me? So she did. This is how much spare time you have when you're an athlete, by the way. So I just sat there in the afternoon and just highlighted, like, all of, like, the non-essential purchases I made. And I was like... By the end of it, it was like one month, it was like $2,000 on like non-essentials. I was like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, So honestly, man, what, this is how little I knew about finances. And I had people like, I could have asked the guy that I would talk to you about that got me into the commercial finance broker. There's people around, like my mentor was a millionaire. He played in the NBA for a long time. The guy who coached me at Melbourne United and Chris Anstey, who's um, still a good friend of mine. He was my first professional coach. He was a... Um, what was really cool was he's my he's my favorite ever Australian basketball player. So when I was 14, 15, I started watching the NBL. He was the guy where I was like, wow, man, like he's fucking good. Like he's really good. And so to get the chance to like um, to be coached by him, to be his friend and things like that was really cool. But I could have asked him about money. I could have asked so many people. You're just so ignorant, you know? Yeah. So that I read the Barefoot Investor. And then it really just like, that was just the start of getting me like better habits mm -hmm. in terms of saving, living within your means and things like that. And then that set the stage where I'm so happy I went through that stage so early mm -hmm. because then then I started actually being like, okay, cool. Now I'm saving and that's awesome. I'm putting it 
putting money away. There's other things I can be doing with it. So that's when I started talking to the other resources around me and things like that, you know. But, you know, if you're, you know, if you're a young person or whatever, you don't have good financial role models around, but there's so many books and things like that. And it's not, and I get it because even sometimes like, I've got a little bit of resistance going into that commercial finance broking, mm-hmm. you know, role to a certain degree because it's like, man, like, am I really going to be sitting around thinking about money all day? There's like still that like, mm-hmm. there's still that like resistance or like anxiety around money, even though I just said to you before, like, oh, I always felt like I was going to be fine financially, but mm-hmm. there's still some, something subconsciously there that I haven't really resolved. Mm-hmm. And again, that relates back to probably feeling like I'm not enough, feeling like I'm not allowed to be enough. So I feel like that's like the most important thing for people to work through financially because once you're through that and you sort of start to realize, okay, man, like I can actually do these things and I'm worthy enough to like get these yes. things. I'm worthy enough to, for you, yeah. I'm worthy enough to ask for this amount for doing this because, yo, I'm good at this and this person should be wanting to pay me yeah. this much. Yeah. That's the hard part to get over financially. And please don't take it like I'm a financial guru or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we've been lucky that we've saved so, so well and things like that that we have been able to live 18 months with basically no income and things mm-hmm. like that. So, and I, don't get me wrong, I don't want to keep doing it that way. I'd love mm-hmm. to get something in soon, obviously. But, um, I, I think just that that emotional sort of spiritual, not so much spiritual on that, sorry, that emotional, that that's definitely mental block that people have around money. It's just if you can work through that. And a lot of these resources and books and that show you that, that's like, yo, it's not as like difficult as you think. If you're just a little bit more cautious about it and you just, and you really believe in your ability to be able to make something happen financially, then yeah, it's sort of like, there's so much money to be made out there, you know? Yes. Like, there's so much out yes. there. And really, it's just a concept at this stage because yes. we're, we're moving away from physical currency. Yes. So, the shit's like, I know this is simplistic and someone with an economic degree is going to be like, just like watching this, shaking their head and thinking, what a dumbass. But like, it's numbers on the screen at the end of, yeah. you know, it's just yes. value that's, that's we put value into. So, but man, I, I think that there's so much there for people to be able to do and people think that oh, no, I'm not smart enough or I'm not confident enough or I'm not this or I'm not that. Mm. But it's like, yo, that's not the case, man. Because I've seen a lot of like people that aren't really that smart. With I mean, how, how common is that? Like, yeah, yeah, 100%. Lot, and then like intelligent, that's why I was saying at the start where intelligence is overrated. Like, there's a lot of really smart people I know that have nothing. You they, know? Yeah, yeah, that don't have much money yeah, and they're yeah. not successful financially. And yeah. there's a lot of dumb people that have made do. a lot of money. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think that um, I think that, like I said, a lot of that's based on. I hate saying that, but changing your mindset, for lack of a better term, so I don't spend forty six seconds trying to think of like the right term, you know. But I, I think there's just so much information available, and again, that also create some issues with information overload and things like that but just find something that you feel like uh, intuitively like sort of once you read something like yeah that works for me because there's so many different there's so many methods yes. right? Yes. there's so many different ways to do it and that's actually exciting because it's like it should be liberating so it's yeah. like wow okay I don't have to do it this one way I could do it in a way that works totally. for me Yeah. and then you sort of realize and then with doing that this journey for me over the past 18 months as well with not having money coming in, it's like, wow, I really don't need anywhere near as much as I thought I did to be happy. Mm-hmm. And then that makes me excited because it's like, cool. So when I get money coming in again, I can live well within the means that I want to yes. because I realize how little I need and then use that money to like save for my kids or yeah. fucking give away to other people. Or give someone else an opportunity that they yeah. could have, you know? It's like yeah. $10,000 could change someone's life, you know? Yes. And to one person, that's fuck all. But yeah. to... 
they could do so much with that. They could yeah. give them the head start that they need yeah. or something like that, you know? Totally, totally. And I, I completely agree. And there's one phrase in there that you said that I always tell um, one of my best mates, there's so much money to be made out there. Once I really understood that concept, you know, I'm fully embodied kind of like the mindset of, there is the abundance mindset, yeah. not, not the poor mindset yeah. of the scarcity mindset, yeah. you know, yeah. like, because for me, for example, I came from a family that is, is, you know, just middle class, whatever. We didn't have that much money or yeah. anything. It was just a really hardworking parents, yeah. hardworking and loving parents. Yeah. So that I was very lucky in that sense that I have parents that, you know, did their best possible job yeah. that they could. They could, yeah. Um, but obviously my, my sentiment and beliefs when it came to money were very limited. You know, because every time, you know, there's little things that when I go back that I used to maybe ask my dad, like, oh, why can't we get that? Because I used to start with kids that did have a lot of money. Yeah, okay. So it was always kind of like comparing, you know, yeah. as being a 14-year-old, 15-year-old, like, why do they have all these things that we don't have that? Or yeah. why can they get these things? Yeah. I have friends that had so much fucking money yeah. that they could literally, man, I remember this one guy will fly out to watch a, a, like games of the Real Madrid yeah, against yeah. Barcelona. In Europe, you know, I come from Venezuela. Yeah, he'll yeah, he'll fly out, flight. Yeah, yeah. But, see the game and yeah. come back. As yeah. a 16-year-old, 15-year-old, wow. imagine that, yeah. that level of wealth, yeah. right? So obviously it always felt like unattainable. And then when I will go back to my dad and he'll tell me, oh, just remember we're, we're poor kind of thing. And yeah. he will say it in a, to some level, you know, just to joking yeah, yeah, yeah joking yeah. but it was installed in yes. there like oh yeah we're poor we can't afford this we can't get this it always felt like so far off. yeah just automatic so i had yeah. to do so much work on yeah. myself the past years to yeah. really and and obviously like detaching from my country and coming yes. to australia yeah, yeah. you know it then i got to really understand like oh you know it doesn't matter really where you come from how you look yeah. like it, it that won't determine the amount of money yes. that you can make. Yeah. Anyone can make it. Anyone can make millions of dollars. Yes. It's, do you have a skill set? Yeah. You know that is helping other people. Some so, do you have a strong network? Yeah. Are you meeting the right people? Are you shaking the right hands? You know, like how good are you in terms of communicating value? There's there's so many other things that will determine how much money can you make within what you're doing. Did you're, what, did you going into being a dentist was that financially driven? Not financially driven yeah. per se, but it was one of those things that this is, by the way, why I think like the education system is it obviously is, is not great. Yeah. Because back then I was 17 mm -hmm. and I had to make a decision of what was the career I was going to pursue yeah. and become for the rest of my life. Because yeah. that's the way they, they paint it to you. Yes. You know, like you need to make a decision right now because yeah. if you don't go straight to university after after school, you're fucked. Yeah, yeah, you're going to yeah. be living under a bridge. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. You're going to be unsuccessful. Yeah. Everyone's going to be laughing. That's that's literally how how it, they paint it for yeah. you. And and parents, obviously, they want, they want the best of you. I of understand where the sentiment comes out of. Yeah. My, my mom doesn't want to be, you know, with other moms and be like, listening as well to all their kids being like, oh, yeah. yeah, my kid is an engineer. My kid is a doctor. I'm a, oh, my kid still doesn't know yeah. what he wants yeah. to do. So obviously, yeah. like, I understand all the context and the different variables of it, but I had to make a decision. And, and to me, I was like, okay, I don't picture myself doing anything like law or anything like yeah. that. 
I'm not good with numbers, so clearly engineering is out of the out of the way. Doctor seems like it's way too complicated to get there. And then I saw one of my cousins that he was like the most loved person within our family mm -hmm. and he was a dentist yeah okay so oh, i, guess I so. think okay. a lot of it came from me trying to be yeah, in okay. his shoes yeah. being like oh he's loved he's a dentist yeah no numbers not all of that of course i have to be that yeah you know so i did it and i loved it by the way this yeah, is what okay. i explained people too that it wasn't like it wasn't happy yeah doing dentistry and by the way i became a, a top number six out of 200 people wow. within my year. So I was really into it and yeah. I made a decision. I made a commitment when I got into it because before university, I was completely average. Okay. You know, I was the kid that wasn't tall, wasn't strong, wasn't anything. There wasn't anything special about me. Average grades, average everything. Yeah. You know, so I really wanted to change that. But by the time I got to university, I was already training quite a bit because I realized that everything to me, m most of the changes you can implement in your life start physically, yeah. you know, becoming strong, becoming, yeah, you know, fitter, okay. become like, if you can get your physical body in shape, that something that you looked in the mirror naked and you're proud of it, mm. it commands a different energy. It does, man. It's it, a, it's yeah. a, it's the physical, well, it's a physical vessel for our spirit, yes. right? You look after it and you, and you, you put time and effort into it, like you get mastery your body, that that begins the process of mastering yes. everything else in, internally. Yes. Yeah, totally. And, and not only would you conduct yourself different, you're yeah. going to walk different, you're going to yeah. behave different. The yeah. energy around you, that intangible yes. thing is different. Yes. Also, people will respect you more. 100%. People will sense that energy. Guess what? If you, it, when you're fit, when you, when you see another man that is super fit, that you can tell this dude trains, that like, if he if he has you know abs or whatever or strong arms you're like he understands discipline he understands how it works because yeah. it, it nobody can give that to you yeah. you know yeah. if you shake a hand firm you know like yeah this this guy knows something yeah. that complete compared to maybe someone completely obese overweight that clearly that that tells me straight away like this guy doesn't take much care about himself yeah. it doesn't care because yeah. if you actually care about who you are and your and, and your presence and all of that and how that relates to how the world perceives you and treats you you will do something about yeah, it you know and so and and it's one of those things as well i have a hard time you know like understanding people that are choose to be because basically they're choosing to be overweight mm. you know you don't you don't need to be you know have an apac or whatever no, but man it doesn't take that much to yeah. actually, you know, just be healthy, you know? So I agree, especially when it starts to imp impact their health, you know, exactly. ne negatively. Exactly, you know? and when they, when they, they cross the line, yeah. <laughs> they sort of know that's the case too, but obviously, yeah, it's the, the resistance to change is so, so great, you know? So, yeah. And then they have to act like they don't care, but... Yeah, and at attaching that to what we were speaking about, which was money, it, ju it just took a lot of time, you yes. know, to, Sorry, to yeah. fully... It, also starting to meet people that are where I'm trying to get at yeah. that level and just finding the common traits. You know, I've met people that weren't that smart, but they had a lot of money. I've met people that were born into money. I've met people that just like me are working their way up to make money. Mm. And like you were saying, there's so many ways 
of getting there, There's, which makes it exciting because yes. that means you don't have to make it like Johnny from the corner that made it, you know, whatever, doing OnlyFans or something. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, you, yes. it, it, This guy made it as a professional athlete. That guy made it with his own business. That guy made it through investing, property investments. Yeah. You know, so there, there's so many different paths, but you need to get educated and you need to get the fundamentals right. What did you, when you started to change your viewpoint around money and you start to think differently and things like that how did you go because i i imagine that you'd still talk to your parents and things like that mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. so then when the conversation of money comes up and then they start it's not they start going through the automatic process of oh it's hard to make you know you can only earn mm -hmm. this much of this how did you sort of combat that would you pull them up on it would you like uh would you just tune out would you notice that like you're mm -hmm. sort of like emotional states started to get a bit like negative and things like that yeah. so how did you sort of like deal with that because i'm interested to know because i i go through that with my parents as well like lovely yes. people and things yeah. like that. but they say you know we i love to go fishing with my granddad and my mum. we drive down here to cool and gather to do it and all along the line because they i think they're secretly jealous of like the the mansions and stuff like that people have here in the gold coast mm -hmm. and they're like oh look at that it's like bullshit you can only live in one room at a time and things like that. and i get what they're saying it's like okay yeah like to a certain degree, we don't need more, like we need so much less than we think we do. But like, it's like hard listening because they're like, the two people that have worked their entire lives and things like mm -hmm. that and they've worked hard. And I think that there's like a bitterness there that's like, cause you get told you just gotta work hard, man. Like, mm -hmm. and even in professional sport, man, like I'm not gonna say work ethics overrated, but it's not the, like the secret sauce that mm -hmm. like people mm -hmm. make it out to be. Cause you give me so many people like mm -hmm. your parents, my parents, super hard working man mm. so many sacrifices and stuff and it honestly like breaks my heart sometimes like they feel like man like i should have got more out of that you know like and it's like hard to be around because it's like fuck you you just want to give them a hug and be like man it's yeah. okay like just because you didn't make a ton of money that doesn't mean that you didn't have a great life or yes. you, you weren't successful yes. in life or you didn't do some cool things yes. and stuff you know but yeah, I'm interested to see like what you do like when the topic of money comes up like with your family. That's that's a great question, and there's there's so many things that that you just mentioned in, but the biggest thing I have found is that first you have to believe that it is possible yeah. for you. Yes, you know because yeah. it, it it's very different. I think it's also timing, a lot of timing, because I did meet a couple millionaires yeah. back then. Yeah, I was surrounded by some friends that their dads where their yes. parents were millionaires. Yeah. I could have asked questions yeah. back then if I really, but to me it was impossible. Yes. It felt unattainable. Yeah, yeah. So what, like the curiosity in terms of money in how to make it wasn't there because to me, first of all, it, it was like, it doesn't matter because yeah. I, I can't get it. Yeah. So when that changed in Australia, my curiosity started like coming in and be like, wait, how does that guy has a Lamborghini? Like watching these cars, you know, a car that is worth like the salary of freaking yes. 10 doctors, yeah, you know, yeah. something. Yeah. Like how does that guy get that? Yeah. When I see a G-Wagon coming on the streets, like I'm not doing what most people do that keep them poor. Because this is the other thing with poor people or even middle class people. They all keep the... the they all keep themselves 
in the same bucket. Yeah. You know, it's very difficult to get out of it yeah. because everyone is telling you that it's not possible. Yes. Everyone thinks it's not possible for them. So when you come with your crazy idea of like, hey, I've decided I'm, I'm going to be a millionaire. Yeah. They'll be like, ha, no, you're not. Yeah, yeah. You know, because they think this is impossible for them. Yes. So they will be like, what? You're the same like me. We, we're, we're friends. Yeah. We, we hang out together. How are you going to be a millionaire where I'm not a millionaire? Yes. You know, so obviously your circle is a massive thing. I had to cut everyone yeah. out of my life. I had to stop having certain conversations yeah. with family and people I care about yeah. just because every time I was bringing this crazy idea that, bro, when I had to explain my family that I was going to quit this safe thing called dentistry that in their eyes also makes a lot of money, which mm. is in reality most now I look back and I'm like, uh, well, most dentists are not really making that much money. Yeah, They're okay. getting taxed a lot, yeah, <laughs> you know, so yeah. unless they own the dental practice yes. and they actually have an understanding of business, yeah. maybe those, yes, are making really good money. But what to me right now is really good money be, just because of my own experience now in life in with my business and with the people I've been fortunate enough to meet. I'm just, a, you know, I'm going for millions, yeah. you know, for, yeah. for like really, really, really high end in, in, on, you know, on the spectrum. So now to me, trying to talk to my parents, I obviously same as yours yeah. have been really hard, hard workers, yeah. but never got, let's say the, the same equal value yes. in terms of money they, compared to the hard work. My yeah. dad is one, like to me it's, a superhero, yes. probably the hardest man I know. Mm. I never found my dad one day like staying in bed. Never. That was never a thing that, oh, no, today I don't feel like working. Never. That man was always getting his ass out of bed, working and providing for the family yeah. and taking care of our needs and everything. Yeah. You know, yeah. like there was there was never an excuse for him to not work. And guess what? He's about to turn 70 and he's still working his ass off. Wow. One of my goals is to retire him. Yeah. That's why I'm working so hard on it. But there's no point of me. I see now with all the understanding I have, I see clearly why his business needed to change yeah. and how he could do it in a way that he could outsource many things, hire more people and make it more profitable with, without him being a needing to be in the business, mm. you know? So, but there's no point of me explaining that to him because the mindset is not going to be there yes. regardless. So he's going to fight. There will be a lot of resistance yes. to it. Yeah. That's why when you can get someone even younger, it's easier mm. to implement all these different ways of thinking because they haven't experienced much. They have a lot of neuroplasticity. So they're just more open. And guess what? They have a lot of room for failure. Yes. When you try to explain someone that is maybe in their thirties and they have a kid or whatever, like, Hey, cause for you to even grasp all of these new concepts about money and becoming financially free or becoming a millionaire or whatever, you need to first put your ego in check. Mm. So you're going to have to basically tell yourself that everything you have be ever believed yeah. about money yeah. till this day is wrong. Yeah. I had to do that for myself. Yeah. You know, hard, I, I'm, you know, I'm like, yes, I was an idiot when it came to money, yeah. when it came to finances, when it came out. And I'm still an idiot. Mm. I'm still, you know, far from when I'm trying to course, get it. Yeah. But through having these new ways of thinking, I can implement new things. I can try and test new things. And guess what? The more I do this, the more money I'm making, you know, yeah. That, yeah. That, so I can see a clear path of how to get to where I'm trying to get. Mm. And the more I do this also, the more people I meet that are already there. Yes. So finding mentors, I think is a, is a massive one. Like when you meet someone that 
has a lot of money, don't 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 envy him. Don't be like, oh, what is this guy has? Yeah. Or, or don't think that he's less than you. Because this is another thing that I've noticed about poor people, middle class people, you know, like they maybe meet someone that is not very intelligent or, you know, it, it might be unfit and they're instantly going to, but, but he's a millionaire, mm. you know, he has financial freedom. He's living the life of his dreams in a sense. And they go like, oh no, he's probably doing something dodgy. Yeah, oh no, he's yeah. probably very unhappy. Yes. That's one that poor people love to use. And yeah. I used to do, do yeah. get comfort because it's comfortable. Yeah. You know, if you think about money and you see this guy and you're like, no, he's probably unhappy. Yeah. He's probably one, he's, he, he's probably not fulfilled with yeah. his life. Yeah. And it, like, it's like, not really. Most, most rich people I met, they're, they're pretty stoked yeah. in life. They're pretty happy with what they're doing. Yeah. I'm not saying they're perfect or anything. A yeah. lot of them need to work in other aspects of their life. Usually they might be unhealthy yes. or they might have trouble with relationships, yeah. which is a big one as well. They don't understand a male and female dynamics and then they get run over by someone that, you know, that they lose everything. Yeah. So like there's many different aspects of life, but the why I keep coming back to finances is because money really determines a lot of your human experience. Mm -hmm whether you like it or not. And the sooner you can start to have a healthy relationship with money, the better your life will get, yeah. the easier money will come to you. Money, money is energy. You know, money, money doesn't flow to someone that is, is completely against it. Right. It's, it's like a girl, you know, if you don't, if, if you're always saying like, Oh, I don't, I don't want to date blondes or whatever. No, I don't like them. Guess what? They won't come yeah, to you. Exactly. You you won't even be in the position to meet one. Whereas it's the same for money. If you want to make money, you need to be interested in money. You need to show some level of care for it. You need to respect money as well, because otherwise you will blow it. Yes. Um. And you need to be curious about it. Okay, how do I put myself? And the way I think about it now is like, how do I become a magnet for it? Mm -hmm. How do I attract the right people to do business with? How do I, I attract the right mentors? You know to to show me the path and, and in exchange provide value to them through my skills or to, to my own life experience you know how do i communicate value more in, correctly to my clients so we we can actually you know get better deals and make, get bigger jobs and all of that so and, and i blame everything on me mm. I think I'm not a millionaire because it's my own fault. Mm. Not because I wasn't born into it. Not because I was, I'm from Venezuela. Not because I, I, I like this. Yes, I, some of it is related to the skills, but it, it's fully on me. Yeah, you know, like well, it, it is, man. Like that's why you're talking about being a magnet and like meeting the right people and and adding value and things like that. And I think this is where like being being is more important than the doing, right? Like yes. being who you are. Your yes. your value comes from your individuality. Like. Yes. And that's what we lose focus, like lose track of. Like, we get caught up in like the steps, like because we want it to be easy and concrete. And like, oh well, they said I could do this, 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 and this. So you get caught up in the doing. But like, if you look at it, if everyone's doing the same thing, then how do you distinguish yourself? Where, where's your true value? Your true value goes further beyond money. It, it goes to like you are Nelson. Like you have a unique, individual experience personality and a blend of those things that can produce something of value to yeah. someone you know so that's where like i'm not saying like i'm good i got the answer but i'm saying like you're a magnet through being you you know and you're focusing on the right things and you're doing the things that come from being you you know now i think that's the journey for everyone but it takes nuts man because it takes nuts to like 
to know to get to know yourself to know who you are because that means you have to come to terms with like the yeah. things you don't like about yourself yeah. you know but you become to see like when you do that and you let go of what you think you know which again takes nuts so you had to do that like there's it's not sometimes not as scary because it is scary but there, a lot of times there's some beautiful things on the on the yeah. end side of it and you can be at least even if it doesn't work out man for for people from being yourself you can take so much solace and you know at least i was yeah. myself at least i gave it everything i could at least i expressed myself to the degree that i could yeah. you know yeah and closing that because uh, the question you asked was like how do you do with your parents and people like that it's like honestly i, d I don't even bother because yeah. why would i yeah you know why why would I? i'm gonna waste my time some depending on how deep we get into they might get mad because guess what i'm challenging their yes. beliefs about yeah. money yeah they will tell me uh you maybe you don't know anything this and that but yeah. so there's no point yes you know i'd rather respect them for what they have done yep. for what they do love them and guess what i'm just working my ass up to retire yeah, yeah, anyways yeah, yeah. but even with friends and all that man i have cut everyone out of that, my life that has anyone that comes to me and if i tell them they ask me oh so what are you trying to do yeah i'm i'm trying to build financial freedom i'm not trying i'm building financial freedom because i'm a millionaire already i'm just not hasn't manifested physically i'm yeah. doing everything they do so why won't happen yeah. you know and if someone comes to me like oh that's not kind of you're up yeah i'm not gonna talk to you anymore because i need just people around me that believe in what i'm doing yeah. and and are giving the energy so because i believe a lot of in that in you know like the energy side of things if you have people that they might be championing you and all of that but in deep deep down they're like oh no i don't want this guy to win like yeah. you know why him why not me and yeah. they're not even doing the work they're not even believing in themselves yeah. and all that i think some level of that can come like like a disease almost you know it gets contagious so i keep my circle very small dude yeah. and i don't bother with most people i don't bother to talk about 90 percent of the stuff i believe in mm. and mm. the things that i'm trying to accomplish i bother here yeah because i'm i i'm hoping that i can find young versions of myself or even all versions of myself yes. that needed to hear this yeah. know what everyone is telling them in the day to day because if you're trapped in the system it's too difficult to get out because yeah. everyone is trapped there with you yes. everyone has the same beliefs everyone it watches the the news the propagandas the the all this stuff that is feeding you certain information to program you to keep you poor and to keep you in there it's too difficult to get out yes. you know and it's difficult even when you meet someone the right person there's people that, you know, I have had some friends that I've engaged in some conversations because I really love them and I really want to get them out. But also I understand that this is not going to be enough. You yeah. know, they're not ready to yeah. escape. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. so, yeah, like my, my answer to you is that I don't bother. Yeah. You know, I don't bother. Why? There's so many people out there that are hoping to find you to have these conversations yeah. or they just need guidance or they can, they can, they're, aiming to help you just like i'm trying to help people there's people that are out there waiting to find someone like me that yeah. is hungry enough motivated that understands where he's at and is hoping to help me you know so yeah. why, why bother yeah. i'm i'm curious obviously you have been surrounded by greatness and other masters at, at the craft what was a elite basketball player that stood out to you that was something different about him that made you kind of like think like oh i i get what this guy is different what what made it different who yeah, was man. him no that's an easy one um it was damian lillard so damian lillard is uh a 
seven, eight, nine-time All-Star in the NBA. Um, for amazing, amazing player at uh, Portland. Um, one of they actually just did like the NBA 75, which is the 75 best. Uh, NBA's been 75 years old, so at 75, they did 75 best NBA players of all time. He was one of them, and he is so interesting to me because he is. Um, fuck, I've got. I just got. I only played against. I played against him three times in college. But so much respect for it. And I don't know him. Well, I've never had a conversation with him or anything, but he was just amazing. So obviously physically skilled and things like that. What was amazing to me about him is that he is just so like himself the whole like through his whole career. Now he was from Oakland, so that will become relevant in a bit. So he's from Oakland. It went to so when I was at Southern Utah, we you play against like in the preseason things like that. Before the season starts, you play against um, a whole bunch of different Teams and you usually play against teams in Utah because it's easy travel and things like that. So he was at this school. Now he's very, very talented, but very underrated. Like no one, he had a good college career. No one really like picked up on him or anything like that. So he went to Weber State, man. Now that is like, and like no one knows Weber State. Like no, it's like a nothing school, you know. Like it's still Division One college basketball, but it's like you're not getting NBA players from Weber State, right? But I remember it came in my freshman year and they're like. And the, one of my teammates is like, oh, we're playing against Weavers. Like, man, this guy Damian Lillard's fucking good, man. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Went there. And after the game, I was like, yeah, that guy's amazing. Like, one of the like, best players I've ever seen. Like, could just do everything. Like, but he was so, he was just competitive. He was like himself. He wasn't a dickhead. He, he was like, you know, he just, he was hum. It was, it was weird because he was so confident in his abilities, so aggressive, but he was humble at the same time. And, and he killed us. Next year, we played him again, killed us, and now transferred to St. Mary's. And St. Mary's is a school that was 20 minutes away from Oakland. So we played against Weber, and that was his senior year. So he was getting a lot of attention because he was one of the leading scorers in college basketball. But everyone was like, oh, he's like, fucking Weber State. Like, who cares? Like, he's playing, he's not going to do shit. Like, he's not at one of the big schools and things like that. Like, who cares? So anyway, he like was getting some attention, was killing, broke his leg, in, and he had to be out for a year and he came back. The year came back, he played against us when I was at St. Mary's. Now, his team sucked. But he's, from, like I said, he's from Oakland. So Oakland's 20 minutes away from us. So the top section of our building when we played against them was just filled with all his like family and friends like that. So it was an awesome atmosphere. And fuck, he put on a show, man. He had like 40 on us. Like 40, scoring 40 points in college is like so hard to do, right? So he's just super talented. He like pretty much made the game closer than it should have been. And so again, he, he killed it that year. And he went to, he got drafted number six, right? So everyone's like, who's this kid? He obviously went to the NBA draft workouts and he killed it. And he got drafted number six to Portland. And ever since he's been in Portland, man, people up there adore him for who he is. And that's what I like about him. Like, he has never, he's been one of the best players in the NBA. And he's never once, cons he's never once just left Portland. He's been there for, God, man, like 10 12 years like a long time and stayed loyal to them the whole time they've he's hit some of the most amazing game winners and stuff like that he's he'd done everything he can with that team to get them to the playoffs and things like that and and in this in the nba nowadays it's like if you're a really good player they usually just leave like and so if okay we didn't win the championship this year all right i'm going to go to another team with two other all-stars and we're going to win it this year so he's got like that old school mentality where it's like no man like this is a team that draw. I was a, I was a nobody, even though he was really good. 
and this team showed a lot of faith in me. They drafted me, so I'm going to stay loyal to them. And like, he just commands so much respect with his mentality, man. Like he like doesn't he's tough as shit, but he doesn't engage in a bunch of trash talk. Like he, uh, he I just got so much respect for him, man, because like he does things his way. Mm-hmm but without being an asshole and he's adored for it without seeking the adulation. That's what I like. He's, he's the result of like, he just is Damien Lillard and he's focused on being himself. And as a result, and he obviously works his ass off. He does all this stuff. And as a result, man, people like just respect that. And I think that's like how so many people could be if they just focus on being themselves and that people can pick up when someone's being authentic and people can pick up on someone's individuality. And you mix that with talent in a certain uh, avenue and people like really get behind that you know it's like, like the perfect story. yeah exactly yeah. so uh, like from the first time I played against him I was like well, he's like just playing against him I was like man he's like so different to anyone I've ever sort of played against in that in that regard and like and he's had a legacy for it man and people and like yes he hasn't won a championship but he's like it's not it's not just about me like it's a team it's a team sport so like mm-hmm. My teammates, we tried our best. Like I gave my best shot. I'm doing doing what I can. And if I don't get a championship, that doesn't define me. Where like you get guys that are get caught up in their legacy, so they start making decisions where it's like, oh, I better move to this team, do that. So you got guys that have two or three championships that don't have the same level of respect that Damian Lillard has. But more importantly, Damian Lillard have a lot of respect in himself. Where it's like even at the end of his career, it's like, okay, I did things my way. It all it all worked out and I can be proud of myself this is what I learned from it and he can that's the inspiration that he gives to the younger generation because people are like man I want to be like him you know and if you get people that are like him where it's like they're they're themselves and they're not doing it for the theatrics mm. and stuff and I get it it's professional sports like it's and it, it is theatrics but mm. like you do it in a way that's that's deeper than just the, the circus of professional sports where it's like Wow, this is the essence of like why people respect athletes and why people have always been drawn to competitive sports and stuff like that. So playing in that, it's like he plays in a in a way and he conducts himself in a way that's like timeless. Like that's how you would imagine really good performers from the past yeah. doing things. Yeah. And that's how you'd want really good athletes and performers doing things in the future, you know? So yeah. it's it's it was pretty or inspiring and again like it sounds like he's my best friend but i've never had i've never <laughs> never talked to him never had a conversation in my life yeah. yeah yeah no but that's awesome man and someone like him will be probably very honored just to hear the perspective of someone you know yeah. a, a previous player that he played against yeah it, that, to see yeah well he wouldn't know against. me from a bar of soap or yeah. anything like that but there yeah, he's just I've always watched his he's never been one of my favorite players because he's a guard he's a different position than me yeah. and stuff so i like watching guys at my position but mm. he's always been someone that i've always like if he was on, I'd always watch and be like, yeah, pay attention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Be, and yeah. that's what it is. Being a student of the game, yeah. whatever you're doing, right? Paying attention to the guys and the people that stand out and see like, why is this guy yeah. different? What is, you know, there's something about them. And yeah. like we were talking before energy, you know, you said it. Like, yeah. He commands a lot of respect and yes. energy in the room. Yeah. So what, why, why is that? Yeah. Instead of envying or, or just being like, oh, he's probably a dickhead. Or yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like, no, no, there's a reason why this guy is this way, yes. behave this way yeah. and commands this attention or this support as well. Yeah. So that's awesome. Can you tell me a bit of, a, of the day-to-day as a professional athlete? like how was your day-to-day looking like what were your routines habits what were you doing tell me go okay so we'll break down just like a regular week say in season right Mm -hmm. so 
Okay, so you play one game, say you play one game on the weekend, right? So you'll, say we plan Saturday. So we'll practice Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday will be off, Thursday, Friday, you play Sunday. So that's uh, Saturday, Sunday will be off. So Monday, Tuesday will be sort of tougher practices. You'll probably lift Monday, you probably lift weights. You get there early, lift weights Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday, right? Mm -hmm. Monday, Tuesday will be tougher practices. So, you okay, this is how it'll probably go down. You'll go, it depends when you watch film. You'll watch film for practice. You lift weights for an hour. You'll come in, you'll watch film, usually of the other, if it's from the last, if it's Monday and Tuesday, you'll watch it from the last game of like, you know, this is stuff we need to get better at and things like that. You'll practice, those two practices will be tough, like, because you've already come off a day off, you had a game, they've got to sort of ramp you back up a little bit. Wednesday will be off, so it's free to do whatever you like. Thursday, it'll be the same thing, weights, film. Now, that's when you'll start preparation for the other team, getting practice. That one, that Thursday will probably be pretty tough. Friday will be, not a piss take, but it'll be definitely, the, vol the mm -hmm. volume will reduce. So the intensity will be there, mm -hmm. then Saturday you play. So in amongst that, so it's a really cruisy schedule, man, like mm -hmm. to, in, a, in, in regards of that. Now, if you're in the NBA, it's like different because you're playing four or five different, you could play four games in a week, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like play, get on a plane, go straight to the next arena, the next day you're playing. Mm -hmm. You know, a day off in between that, but your day off could be, say if you play for the Lakers, your day off could be in Minnesota, just hanging out around there, and then you're back because you're on the road or something yeah. like that. So it just depends on like how many games you have like during the during the season and, and what your schedule's like. But like I said, man, when it gets to season, it's so much more just about being fresh for the games yeah. so like yes you have to you have to practice you have to do stuff outside of practice like you got to think about like if you're say if you're in a two-hour practice and say even if you're like doing scrimmages and stuff and like yes you're playing but you might only get like 12 13 shots in a scrimmage yeah. or things like that and that's like a few you know so like you have to do your extra work and yeah. things like that so usually on before practice and after practice you're shooting there as well you might do a little bit extra for weights then you'll have treatment. Then you'll have promotional work. So like where the team will, you know, you have to go to this school and do like a ses skill session with the kids or you go to a corporate event and you speak there or things mm -hmm. like that. So, but in saying that, man, like you have a lot of free time because the the necessity of your job requires you to have to be like physically rested, you know? Yeah. Now, like I said, when you go, when you're in Taiwan or Europe and things like that, like you wake up, you practice for two hours in that day, you'll have like three or four hours off. Yeah. And then you're back again that night and you're practicing again. And that's your days all the way leading up to your game day, you know? So it's really depend. That's why I like the NBL schedule. And that's why I'm really big on, especially if your days like that and that you have to take downtime. Yeah. I really think it's valuable to have a secondary focus. Now, not necessarily the focus, like the amount of focus that you put into, um, into your sport. But something that should be building towards what you're doing after your sport. Because if you have like mm -hmm. a, say if you're lucky enough to be like myself, we have a 10 year career. Mm -hmm. Like that's a lot of time and each day we could do just something so small that would just eventually yeah, lead to, okay. And, and the other part of it is like in sport, you don't know how long you have. Like all it takes is your knee snapping and your career's yeah. over. So like, I, I really think that it's important that you know you don't spend all your time like so you have your training block so like a lot of times so when i was with the so perth sun you'd be in at 
seven o'clock and you could be done by about one o'clock and that'd be about your day, you know? So, and that would include massages and things like that as well. So like you have like some, awesome. yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> you have a lot of free time uh, in that regard. And obviously like that's where it's great to spend with your family and things like that. Yeah. But even if you just dedicate an hour each day to like doing something that prepares you for life after your yes. sport, because yes. it's easy to get and you think, oh, it's going to, I'm going to be mentally fatigued and things like that. But the thing is like, you sort of your bandwidth for your sport sort of like regenerates when you're like actually focusing on something else yes. and when you're actually putting in attention to it. And that's why you'll see you'll actually see like a lot of guys play video games a lot in uh, in sports. Like it's a really big mm-hmm. game culture mm-hmm. in that. And I actually not I'm actually not against that. Like people are like, oh they shouldn't be fucking playing video games, they should be doing other shit. But I'm actually not against it because it it gets them focused on something else. And then so their ability, they're not always thinking and, and speaking and talking basketball or whatever sport it is, you know, like it's, it gives them a chance to regenerate. So they're fresh, mentally fresh by the time. It's like, mm. oh, once I put the sticks down now, I'm back at practice, that's cool. Like I'm, mm. I'm fucking feeling good and ready mm. to go, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like definitely finding ways to not be always on yes. with what you're doing yeah. i i need all this stuff you yeah, know? that's why i train martial arts yes. that's why i have all the things outside of this that makes me come even more excited yes. every time i come back but that i see it as my me time you know when i go surfing all yeah, yeah. All that. yeah but it separates yeah. your identity away from yes. what you do as well yes. and that's super important because yes. that's where like at least in sports and i can imagine it with you as well mm-hmm. especially when it's your own business and it's what you love to do and you do it every day it's like hard to separate that from your actual yeah. identity. Yeah, so like doing other things, and that's a mistake that I made a lot in my career is that, especially when I was in college and things like that, like I was either either studying or I was playing basketball. And I like, yeah, I went to parties and all that sort of shit, but like I don't th- feel like I never, like now I feel like I've actually got a hobby. So outside of like doing stuff for, like setting up my life after basketball. Now, for the first time at 31, I feel like I have a hobby mm. where I, like earlier in my life, I could never say, if you ask me what my hobby is, I'd be like, I don't know, playing basketball, I guess. You know, like, yeah. it, it's what, yeah. you know what I mean? But, my job is my hobby. Yeah, but like, you, I think that hobbies are so valuable, man. So valuable. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, it, and that it enables you to be better at your, your thing. And then it keeps that sense of individuality because I feel like your hobby is usually tied to something deep within you mm. that, you enjoy doing you know so to being able to express that it helps you see oh wow you know there's a bigger world outside of what i think that there is you know outside of the training itself like what's the one thing that you would say is the most critical element for you to be at your at your high at your highest performance Mm. is it like sleep is it the nutrition what like outside of the training itself yeah um I mean, sleep's massive, man. I I would I would say sleep actually, and I'd say because one, like, you get there's this crazy folklore that around sports and around anything high performance where like you got to sleep's like usually the first thing that's got to go. But I actually think that sleep actually not only obviously gets you physically recovered, but REM sleep helps with skill acquisition development. Mm. So like if you've spent a bunch of time practicing, and it's like if you spend time practicing your skills, you can actually further embed those by getting better better sleep yeah. because that REM sleep helps you to embed better. And you could even use it strategically, honestly, for like a nap. So if you were to, mm. if you were to do your skill training and you take a nap early day, well, that helps you sort of retain the skills that you learned. Then you get up, you do your thing, and then you have good sleep again at night. Yeah. 
recently. It's so critical, man. Recovery. I know everyone says like recovery is important and all that sort of shit, but like, because everyone like, oh, point out like, oh, Kobe Bryant or like these guys that like, they never slept and they and they fucking train 47 hours a day and all this like, it's like yeah, but like, people outside the sports industry don't understand that like at the NBA and like high levels like that like. These guys are on performance-enhancing drugs. And I'm not saying that to be like, oh, that's terrible. Like, Because I don't actually have an issue with it because they play 82 games in a season. There's only so much your body can physically recover from. And they're taking these they're taking these drugs to help them recover so they can perform at the level that they can. So like, if you're a natural athlete, like you work within your natural capability and getting better recovery allows you to have more capability to yeah. to train like because the training is like the times where i've like performed the best haven't necessarily been the times where i was like working the hardest like you do have to have a great work ethic for yeah. to get a foundation of skill yeah. but sometimes you can rely on your skill as like skill training or your training as a crux to to offset the fact you don't really believe in your abilities does that make sense yes. yeah. so like you use training and like you train 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 so you can feel some success during the week but yeah. all it does is it eats into your like ability to perform you go you're tired as shit for the game you can't perform yeah. well you hate yourself for it so then you your answer is to train more you know instead yes. of to like let go and trust yourself more be like look i've played this for all right, yeah. this off season i did a whole bunch yeah. of training and things like that like I've got to be able to trust myself. So I'll do what I need to do, but like I have to recover. So when the game comes around, I'm like ready to jump out of the gym and we're, yes. we're good to go. You yeah, know? perform at the highest and it level. Takes, and it takes yeah. faith in yourself to do that. So that's yeah. why like, that's why I say like what I said about work ethic being overrated. Like you do need a good work ethic, man. And like, I'm not saying that you don't have to work hard and it's about working smart because you do have to work hard, man. But like, Everything in life is a balancing act, man. And I think you can rely too much on a work ethic. And it, it's really actually an indication that you don't actually believe. It's in, it's indicative of a bigger issue, which mm. is that you don't believe in yourself. So that's why I like saying recovery because by, by prioritizing recovery, you're prioritizing your body, which shows that you care about yourself. And it shows that you believe in yourself mm. because you're like, yeah, as long as I'm fresh and ready to go, I'm going to dominate this weekend. Yes, you know? yeah. agreed. What's the best advice you have ever received? <laughs> I've gotten a lot of good advice, man, as, as everyone has. Um, and it's interesting, the one I always keep coming back to is just something that my dad said to me, like, when I was a kid, is be your own man. Like, like, do, like, do the shit that works for you. Be you. Be yourself. And I know that sounds so corny and cliche, but I feel like it's the only way to, like, actually get fulfillment. I've had better advice on how to technically be better at basketball or how to prepare better for games or how to make money or things like that but none of that that's like a, like being yourself and actually embracing your individuality goes deeper than all that and that to me is like fulfillment because then the the exterior rewards don't really matter as much and then when you're not strangleholding then they seem to come to you more but the focus is on just being content with being yourself man because we're only here for a short time like yes like fuck and this shit could end like this building collapse on our fucking head right and, now yeah and it's yeah. all over so like and if you spend your whole time trying to build up to something and you probably see it too like sometimes when you build up to something and you're like yeah it's all gonna make sense then and then when you get to that thing like the vacuum that comes after that it's like hurts it's painful because you're like wow 
I thought that would be more fulfilling than it was. Yes. And that doesn't mean that you don't go after things, but it's just you go after things in a way that's I, that's authentic to you. And then that makes the process more enjoyable yes. and then makes the reward enjoyable yes. as well. You know? Yeah, and as cliches as it sounds, it's not about des the destination, it's about the journey. Yeah, man, you know? because that's all we have. Like, And the, the achievement is so fleeting. Like, I remember when I, yes. you know, I came to Brisbane and I was on a one-year deal and I knew that, I knew I'd perform well and I knew that if I did, I'd achieve this a certain amount of money, right? Mm -hmm. And I did that. And I fucking played really well, had a career and and made that money. And I remember getting the contract and like signing it. I took my wife out and we signed it together. She was my witness for it and she signed it and we had uh, a meal together. I was like, wow, this is cool. But then after dinner, I was like, oh, okay, yeah. You know, the feeling from that was, but. What I had really enjoyed that year was the process of it all. Like it was so fun to be able to be in a different environment where I felt like I was able to be myself. I was able to train the way I wanted mm. to. I was able to express myself on the court and I was able to play in a way that I'd always sort of wanted to play. So that was, I still have such good memories and feelings about that. And it was one of the most enjoyable seasons of my life, basketball wise. That goes further beyond the end goal that I had for it, you mm -hmm. know. It was, and it, I still learn. I can still draw from that, still take lessons from it. So, like, that's the experience that I had. And you're capable right now of having that sort of experience if you sort of just choose to, you know. Like, yeah. you don't have to rely on an external circumstance to give you validation. You yes. can just validate yourself. But it takes, obviously, getting to know yourself and know it by knowing yourself. Then you can do things in your own way, you know. Agreed. I love that. What's the worst advice you have ever received? Yeah, again, a ton of advice, man. Um, fuck, I've gotten a lot of bad advice too. But I don't even think it's so much bad advice. It's just that I think that anytime you listen to... Okay, if you're in sports, man, if you listen to anyone in the sports media or you listen to fans or you listen to even your parents, or you, like they don't know what the fuck they're talking about, man. Like... It's it's so it's it's so much like it takes so much to be the man or woman in the arena, the one who's actually doing yes. it. That's like yes, and that's like I can't give you advice on what to do with creative creative mm. work because I've got no fucking idea. Yeah, I might think that I could draw analogies across and stuff. So I'm very much the opinion that like having experience, like in the field, actually like there's if someone's actually been there and done that, then like their advice means a lot within that realm, yes. you know? Now, your your parents and stuff and people who know you can give you advice pertained on who you are and things, but, man, like, don't listen to... Don't fucking listen to sports media. Don't listen to fans. Don't get, Don't take any comments seriously, like, when people are discussing games or whatever that you're into mm. and that, because they don't fucking know, they man. Know. Like, it's so easy from the outside and they don't know what's actually going on behind closed doors. They don't know what it actually takes to, yeah. they don't know like what people go through psychologically at that level or things like that to play or what they have to sort of do, the discipline that it takes and stuff. And that doesn't mean that they're not great in their fields or they're not, uh, they're lesser people by any stretch of the imagination, yeah. not at all, but just their opinion in that certain subset means fucking nothing. Yeah. So I, I think like the worst advice it's not even advice but just the worst thing you can do is really take seriously what people outside of the arena say you know because dude that is gold yeah. right there yeah completely agree and i and i had to learn this the hard way yeah. as well listening to the wrong person in terms of of advice yeah you know like you yeah 
you should not do that. Yeah. You should pay attention clearly to who's giving you the advice. Yeah. What's the intent yeah. as well? Because yeah. that's a big thing. It could be someone that is on the arena, but do they have your best intentions exactly. at yes. hand? Do yeah. they actually want to see you succeed? That's a massive difference yeah. between someone that really cares about you and someone that is envious of you, you know? Well, that's yeah. and it's the same thing with like, like it sounded like if you had a really good basketball player, like an all-time great that gives you advice on TV or some shit like that, you got to think that they're also giving advice based on their lens. Like, it's like they're giving advice to you, but really they're giving advice to themselves. You know what I mean? Yes. It's like it's their way of dealing with shit. Like, we're all inherently like think about us we're all the center of our own universe right yeah. like and so like shit that you get from it's exactly what you said with yeah. the intent the intent's not really to help you it's not and it's not personal it's not that they don't like you yeah. but the intent's to like help them come to shit to terms with stuff in their own head yeah that they're, yeah you know so that's I, a good perspective yeah. It? yeah so it's like and that's not saying don't trust anything anyone says but mm. like you said you just have to you have to really filter everything that you yeah. hear and you have to you don't take everything at face value you really sit down and think about it and mm. if something doesn't make sense then just let it go man like, exactly and if something does exactly. and there's something you can get out of it cool but like a lot of interactions you can get you can learn something you can learn something from someone without actually learning anything from what they said yeah you learn from like how they present things or yeah. what they say or you learn how to like really read between the lines better so every interaction is like worthwhile i guess to a certain degree in that regard but yeah, man. Like, you got to have a filter process for everything you yes. hear, man. Completely agree. Yeah. Brother, you die tomorrow. <laughs> you can only leave three pieces of advice for young entrepreneurs, even yeah. the young version of you. Yeah, yeah. Only three pieces of advice to help him achieve a fulfilling life, being, being let's say, successful in most areas of yeah. life. yeah the best three pieces of advice you could give, yeah. what would they be? All right, man. well, definitely, okay, so three, they're gonna separate, they're gonna sort of sound, but know yourself, so get to know yourself, and like really fucking get to know yourself, and that means going through the pain and stuff. Once you know yourself, be yourself. And then the last thing, and I borrow this from Kirk, but I think about this a lot, is it's all just a game. And it's true, like, this life is really just a game, man, because like, existence is like existence like so like it depends on what your philosophy is what happens after you die and shit i mean if this world's spiritual and eph ephemeral like i feel like we'll just go back to that and then we go we come back into either this world another one or something like that so like this isn't like nihilistic where it's like it's all pointless like existence is existence but like so it like kind of really doesn't fucking matter at the end of the day you know like it does matter but it doesn't matter so it's just a game just lighten up man and like like you can do with it what you want, but at the same time, it doesn't matter. Because when you're dead and gone, like it doesn't matter. We're all attached to the one thing anyway, you know. Like, yeah. yeah. I hope that makes sense. I hope that can. That's in the way the one, the one bit of advice. But it's all just a game, so you can just lighten up. Yeah, that's beautiful, dude, and that's the perfect way of ending this this episode. Where can people find you, learn about you, get in touch with you to know what you're going to be doing uh, as your next step? Yeah, okay. So, look, man, I just got back on. I went through a stage there where I was so rattled. I got off of social media, but I'm back on private account. So, I'll probably make it public just to be a bit... I'm, I'm pretty proud Dude, you of need person. to be in social media. Know, like, 100% yeah. people need to get to know yeah, you. So, and Do you have so much to provide to the world? Yeah, 100%. Man, so, I'll, it's, uh, at, so, on Instagram, it's the one that I 
would use. It's at Matt Hodge 01. Um, and I'm on LinkedIn as well. Um, mm. You can just find me there. It's obviously on a profile on that. But I, I do want to be more active on social media because, again, it was like an avenue where it's like, oh, I'm not enough, so no one's going to give a fuck. So I yeah. hide myself, you know what I mean? Yes. And not feel like I'm enough. So it's definitely... So, social media to me is a journey for me of actually coming to grips with myself. So I do plan on being a bit more active on it and um, and more expressive of who I actually am on it, you know? Amazing, bro. The links will be down below. As always, if you enjoy the episode, don't forget to subscribe, live, and if you really want to help get the podcast to more people become more aware of the creative greed the best way you can support us is to leave a review on spotify apple podcast give a five star mention what you like about the podcast what has been your biggest takeaway anything in in, in that sense will really help the podcast get to other people don't forget to follow us on social media at the creative grid on every platform i'm at nail for life i'll see you on the next episode goodbyes for everyone you how was that bro that's awesome man <laughs> i appreciate that so Dude. much man because it's so